Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
is Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, breaking news. The three cops involved in the murder of George Floyd, three of the four cops, they have charges been filed against them and an upgrade against the guy who put his knee on George Floyd's neck. Also, we'll talk about some of the black men who have been killed while protesting uh, in the streets. President Barack Obama just uh, on a uh, Zoom uh, discussion talking to the nation about the George Floyd case as well as the protests all across the country. Secretary of Defense says he does not support the use of active duty troops against protesters. Also said he disagreed with the use of Ooh, a particular act that Trump touted. He got called to the White House, not happy. We'll talk with General Russell Honore. Minneapolis Public Schools fires the Minneapolis Police Department. We'll explain. Birmingham, Alabama Mayor Randall Whitman will join us to talk about effective protesting. Also, Philadelphia, the bronze statue of one of the most brutal mayors in America, Frank Rizzo, is down. Well-known racist. Oh, also, white girl has a racist uh, post on Snapchat, no longer is going to be a member of the lacrosse team at Marquette University. He had lost her scholarship. Plus, the owner of Black Mama Vodka uses her business to make hand sanitizer. We'll talk with her. Also, we'll talk with comedian Michelle right here on our Wild and Not Wednesday. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer who murdered George Floyd, was charged today with a new, more serious count of second-degree murder. The three other officers, Thomas Lane and J. Alexander King, King who helped restrain Floyd, and Tu Thao, who stood near the others while were charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder. Attorney General Keith Ellison of Minnesota announced the charges. The evidence, together with the BCA, and we have something to announce today. Before I announce it, I want to say thank you for the patience of the people who they've shown me and our entire team in pursuit of justice. And I'm here uh, to make these announcements right now. First, today, <clears throat> I filed an amended complaint that charges, that charges former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin with murder in the second degree for the death of George Floyd. I believe the evidence available to us now supports the stronger charge of second-degree murder. We've consulted with each other, and we agree. Second, today, arrest warrants were issued for former Minneapolis police officers uh, J.A. King, Thomas Lane, and Tu Tao. Finally, I'd like to announce that today, Hennepin County Attorney Michael Freeman and I uh, 
uh, filed a complaint that charges uh, police officer King, Lane, and Tao with aiding and abetting murder in the second degree of felony offense. I strongly believe that these developments are in the interest of justice for Mr. Floyd, his family, our community, and our state. Now, folks, of course, uh, many people have been reacting uh, to this particular news. Uh, as we speak, President Barack Obama is actually holding uh, a uh, Zoom conversation. Uh, they have been going live uh, since about uh, 510. Let's go live to that. Just saying that's not what we do. Uh, you, you don't need that in order to uh, effectively uh, restrain someone. Uh, so, so give me, give me what, what are they uh, in, in executive summary form so people can, can hear what these specific things are. Got you. So uh, I didn't know the first question would come to me, but the eight things are banning chokeholds and strangleholds requiring de-escalation uh, first, requiring a warning uh, before pulling out a weapon, exhausting all alternatives for those actions. Um, a duty of other officers to intervene. So officers can just stand there and watch injustice happen. Banning shooting at moving vehicles. We know that keeps police and everyday citizens safe. Establishing a use of force continuum and requiring all force to be reported. And I want to be really clear. Together, those eight things can reduce police violence by upward 70%. That does not stand in competition with what Philippe just walked us through. Because we know that these things can happen immediately without any executive order or act of Congress. All we need is a mayor to have the political will and courage to stand and say, those eight can't wait and I will go and change the use of the force standard tonight, let alone tomorrow. So do that now and then continue to work with your community because we will continue to keep up the pressure, I can promise you that, to make sure that we are getting to those comprehensive public safety uh, uh, solutions that are community-based and community-oriented and far beyond anything that we're experiencing right now that Philippe just walked us through. These don't stand in competition with imagination. These are a necessary step immediately to keep people safe as we do the hard work of making sure we get to what's That's great. And, 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 and let me just point out, uh, in my opening remarks, I mentioned sometimes this tension is posed between political participation and protest. Philippe's an example of why you have to participate politically because uh, if you are on the streets protesting and making demands, having somebody on the city council who can follow up and respond and advocate and, and deal with pushback and is in the room when budgets are made and is you know, advising mayors on how they're going to negotiate the next collective bargaining contract with the police union. You need those folks in order to ultimately deliver the goods. Uh, and, and it, you know, I, I'm constantly mindful of the fact that this is not uh, a, a, an either or thing. And there's so many ways, all of which are necessary to make a difference. When Rashad talked about the cultural element of this, you know, uh, Dr. King, uh, you know, this may be apocryphal, but, but I think somebody mentioned to him, oh, well, you know, uh, just having an anti-discrimination bill, an anti-lynching bill, uh, you know, that's not going to change hearts and minds. He says, no, it won't, but it'll 
maybe stop me from getting lynched. And that's important too. So laws are important. On the other hand, the narrative and the stories and telling people here, see me, I'm human. Here's my pain. This is somebody's son. This is somebody's uncle. Uh, Here's the story that you need to understand about our background and our community. How do we break down stereotypes, uh, as Eric uh, Eric Holder uh, eloquently talked about? That's the work of uh, a lot of people. So some are going to be on the streets protesting. Some are going to be running for office. Some are going to be writing. During this week, uh, I picked up and reread The Fire Next Time. It is frightening to notice how James Baldwin can lay out a reality 50 years ago that sounds like it was written yesterday. And that's activism, that's work, that's participation. So so I worry sometimes that, uh, you know, as we debate strategies, uh, people start thinking there's one way of doing things. We all have a role to play, we all have a part. The more specific we are practical, you know, in the short term, as well as visionary in the long term, the, the better off we're going to be. But uh, with that, I'm going to be quiet because uh, you don't need to hear from uh, more more old head stuff. Uh, but I, I just want to say how much I appreciate all of you. Uh, and, and Michael, uh, I'm assuming that the conversation is going to continue. Yes, sir. Let me go ahead and jump in and thank Brittany for the masterful moderation and for all the wisdom and hard work that was on display. Um, I'm now going to turn it over to our deputy director for network and partnerships at My Brother's Keeper Alliance, uh, Nicole Fields, who's going to take a couple questions from our MBK community. All right, folks, again, uh, we're going to be streaming later exactly uh, President Barack Obama, what he had to say there. Uh, of course, a lot of things happening today, a lot of news, a lot of things are uh, popping off. Let's go right to our panel, A. Scott Bolden, former chair, National Bar Association Political Action Committee, Robert Patillo, executive director, Rainbow Push Coalition, Peach Tree Street Project, Mustafa Santiago Ali, uh, former senior advisor, environmental justice, EPA. Scott, I'll start with you. Keith Ellison stands there. He's the attorney general of Minnesota, makes those charges. The DA of Hennepin County is standing right next to him, the same DA who had a news conference last week who basically uh, did not have the guts to charge him on Thursday and then, of course, wait till the next day. And then only you charge one guy, not the other three. And so, wow, a week later, miraculous. <laughs> well, you know there's some politics to this, without a doubt. Part of the politics was negotiating what the local DA could live with, rightfully or wrongfully. And Keith's got to play his politics as the attorney general, but Keith's taking control because he's going to be prosecuting these cases. The other reason we know that is because murder two is just murder or felony assault without uh, premeditation. Murder two is fair. It's not murder one. But then what's interesting is, let's talk about the negotiation. Uh, Keith, for now, the attorney general, kept in um, uh, murder three, as well as the manslaughter two, which are lesser included that normally would not you would not put in the charging document because they completely undermine the murder two charge or the murder three. Either it was purposeful, intentional, or wasn't. And manslaughter and even murder three suggest that perhaps there may have been some extenuating circumstances. Look for those other charges to go away. Aiding and abetting, uh, each of those officers can still get up to 40 years. And so we're getting close to this. 
It'll be interesting what's left in those charging documents once we get to court or to a grand jury if they go to a grand jury. Uh, Robert, your assessment of the announcement today of these charges? Well, I think we talked about this last week when they initially, mm -hmm. um, well, when they initially said that they uh, were doing murder three, that was a ridiculous charge because we have videotape of what took place. And since that time, we've seen additional video come out, one showing that um, what was stated in the initial charging documents was untrue when they said that Mr. Uh, Floyd refused to get into the vehicle. We saw actual video of him being assaulted in the vehicle. Um, the initial medical examiner's report was contradicted by the independent um, autopsy, which stated that asphyxiation was the cause of death and also that the other two officers being on his chest and uh, and body cavity uh, led, uh, contributed to the uh, loss, loss of consciousness and also ultimately the loss of his life. Um, further, we uh, saw that after they took his pulse and saw that and saw that he was either near death or dead, that knee remained on his throat for an additional mm -hmm. three to four minutes thereafter. So uh, for the state, uh, or for the police officers, they are lucky that they do not have a first-degree murder charge. Because remember, the intent to commit murder, the premeditation does not have to be one of these crazy Dexter plots, not this silence of the lamb type killing. Intent and premeditation can be formed in an instant. And I would argue uh, that the instant they took his pulse and saw that he was dead, that when that knee remained on his throat, that was clear premeditation and intent to kill that individual. I do think the murder two charge is a fair charge, as long as they do not try to go back and retroactively reduce it down, uh, t uh, have a plea agreement down to the unintentional murder. Also, interestingly, from the beginning of this case was the fact that the other officers refused and took their Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Normally, if you're innocent, you say, I want to cooperate with the state and uh, assist in this prosecution to clear my name in all ways possible. When you have four people say that we are all taking the fifth and not going to testify, that's what you get in gang cases. That's what you get in mafia cases. This is a, a, a systemic issue within police departments across the country where they believe that this thin blue line is more important than any constitutional vow that is being taken. We're seeing this right now in Atlanta where after six officers were fired for the assault on the two college students, now other officers from other jurisdictions are refusing to come to Atlanta to assist in policing uh, as they show solidarity with those officers. Uh, we saw the police chief come out today and say that this was a political firing of those officers. So we have to break down this police culture that puts the people in those uniforms above the Constitution and above the people of this country. One second. Who said it was a, today it was a political firing of those officers? The police chief in Atlanta. The same agreed with the mayor on Saturday? Yes, because that was when the two officers were charged criminally. The, uh, the firing of the additional officers, she feels, was because of political pressure put on by, uh, by protest. This is, Mustafa, this is, this is the fundamental problem right here. This is the fundamental problem I have with these police departments. Yesterday, we had the district attorney, Paul Howard, on. He told us that the officer that pulled the weapon out against those two students was another officer asked, asked him afterwards, why did y'all do this? And he said, because they pulled guns out on us, students had no guns. Is that these cops lie, they make stuff up to cover stuff up, and only because we had the body cameras going in Atlanta they saw exactly what happened. The case out of Minneapolis, same thing. The reason people are angry, Mustafa, at police departments is because the public doesn't feel that 
There is justice. The cops are allowed to lie, make stuff up, uh, tell what happened several days later, as opposed to justice and fairness. And, you know, they led earlier when James Baldwin said to be black in America and to be relatively conscious means to be you know, in a rage all the time. The rage comes from this blue wall of silence. The rage comes from knowing that justice hardly ever comes to our community, whether it is in from the police, uh, if it's from our, you know, elected officials, from a number of the folks who are supposed to be protecting our communities. And that's the reason why people are, are, are marching. That's the reason why people are fighting so hard is because we know we have to change the system. The systemic racism, you know, the systemic actions by police continually is what is bringing up this rage that we feel. But we also are going to focus that rage uh, into real tangible types of changes. And that's why, you know, when uh, folks shared with uh, President Obama, you know, the eight steps that folks are looking for, people are translating that anger. They're translating it into actual steps that can actually help to protect our communities and to get real accountability in the process. You know, and, and, and it's just, it, it, what you're seeing in the streets is a reaction to another case, somebody else getting off, somebody else getting off, somebody else getting off, somebody else getting off, and people are pissed off, Scott. They're pissed yeah. off. The cops get to lie on reports, and then when the truth comes out, Laquan McDonald case, then the cops get all pissed off. The, you look at uh, what Robert just said, oh, uh, because of this, we're not going to go to Atlanta. Oh, see, y'all can't get mad at why in the hell did y'all chase down a car and 20 officers surrounded the car, snatched two students out, hit them with tasers. Oh, y'all ain't mad at that. Y'all mad because they got discipline. <laughs> the problem we have here is that police departments are filled with a bunch of petulant, narcissistic, sensitive, soft-ass people who feel as if nobody can ever criticize them. So they attack Marilyn Mosby in Baltimore for daring to charge four cops and Freddie Gray. We're going to have a slowdown. Chicago, pissed off at the cops lied about Laquan McDonald. Oh, we're just going to... No, we don't like what you did to one of us. That's the problem. They don't have the guts to stand up and say, yeah, his ass wrong, get rid of him. About time we got rid of these crazy cops. That's the problem. It's a thick blue line, too. It's a completely different mentality. It's us versus them. I've been a former, I'm a former prosecutor. I've been in the complaint room. I've, I've, I've dealt with police officers, and it is a completely different mentality. You got to get beyond that thick blue line, and and not, it's not even retraining; it's reculturing, if you will. That this culture of us versus them—that that black young men and women are human beings of human decency. Sure, you're in a stressful position, but when I give you a gun, when I give you a badge, when you put on the uniform and the American flag is on your uniform, I got to tell you, you have to have a higher sense of responsibility. You don't have a God-given right to be a police officer, do you? Of course not. So with that comes a higher level of responsibility, but that does not mean you use it as a sword and a shield. It should be a, a, it should be a shield from you 
from the general public that you treat them with human decency. When I call you, I call you to protect and serve with integrity. Those are the values of most police departments. And yet, when they get in trouble, when one of them makes a mistake, they they defend themselves and they don't want to live those values. You've got to get to changing that. And one of those eight principles is that you've got to have each, uh, each police officer has got to be accountable to the other. I don't want to hear about good and bad cops. If you're a good cop and you let bad cops operate with no discipline on your police force, you're a bad police force, and you're as bad as, and, and complicit as the bad actor is. But see, but, but see, here's the issue, okay? In New York, this is Andrew Cuomo, the governor, yesterday. Mm -hmm. I heard that. Did not do their job last night. I believe that. Uh, second, you have 38,000 NYPD people. It is the largest police department in the United States of America. Use 38,000 people and protect property. Use the police, protect property and people. Look at the videos. It was a disgrace. The NYPD and the mayor did not do their job. But here's the problem. Today, comes out, apologizes, wasn't talking to the cops. That was this morning. Mm -hmm. Then he said, well, I was speaking about the administrators. Well, now they're reporting is that he's apologized to the administrators. This is what mm -hmm. I'm saying, Robert. The cops, yep. police in this country act as if nobody can criticize them, nobody can challenge them. And in fact, I think Ice Cube had a tweet uh, last week saying, who the hell runs cities? The police department or the mayor? And that's mm. the deal, Robert. Police departments, yeah. they hold so much sway that what they do is they make mayors bend to their wheel and buckle because you know what the mayors are afraid of? The mayors are afraid of these petulant-ass police officers Going, we're not just, we're just gonna stop. We're not gonna see the police anything, mm -hmm. and we're just gonna slow down, and we don't like it. And so you can do whatever you want to do, and then all of a sudden, crime goes up, and people start saying, "Mayor, what about the cop?" And then the mayor has to now go beg, "Can y'all please? Yeah. Can y'all please go do your job? It's okay. I apologize." Well, well, Roland, uh, often these police officers and police departments and fraternal orders of police have almost a mafioso type uh, mentality where they feel like if you're not giving us our protection money, uh, if you're not uh, giving us the proper respect, then we just simply won't give you the protection that you need. Uh, understand for any defense attorney, uh, we're faced often with this idea that police somehow get this uh, added level of credibility just because they are officers of the law. Uh, one thing, you, uh, any drug case that you do, no matter how much drugs are found at the scene, a different amount will show up in the uh, police report, a different amount will show up in the evidence locker, and a different amount will show up at trial. And we're supposed to pretend that this is a system that is not broken. This is why uh, when we're talking about addressing these issues that people are protesting for, it's not just about reforming the cops, it's about reforming the 
broken and racist criminal justice system. Many of these cops who later on in their career go to law school and become district attorneys. Many of those district attorneys go on and become judges later on in their career. Many of those judges run run for higher office later on. So you have an entire system that's infected with a bias towards policing and towards police officers, which gives the idea that somehow everything they say is a gospel from the Bible. We have to break down a sick and broken culture and sick and broken racist system because otherwise we're going to continue to have these exact same outcomes. And Mustafa, yeah. if, you bend, if you keep bending to the will of the police department, they're never going to be held accountable. And then what happens is a Pantaleo kills an Eric Garner and they get mad. And it takes five years to fire him. Same mm -hmm. thing happens to the officer in Chicago who killed Laquan McDonald. And we could go on and on. So then what happens is the audience, then the public's like, well, here we go again. They get to, they get, to get away with murder. And we can't say anything because, we're, because it's going to hurt their feelings. Because they're so fragile. You know, it's interesting that if you're an EMT and you have infractions, you get fired. If you're a fireman and you have a, a number of infractions, you get fired. If most of us, when we go to our job and if we don't live up to what the expectations are, we get fired. So it's real simple. Get rid of the folks who evidently don't want this job. And you know what? And here's my whole deal. If they don't like it, tough, quit. We'll replace your ass. Simple as that. But they are afraid uh, yeah. of accountability. They don't uh, like being accountable. Robert, go ahead. And Roland, this idea of the one bad apple, they always like to throw out there, there's a couple bad apples. The saying isn't a couple bad apples, everything will be fine. It's a couple bad apples spoil the bunch. The bunch of police are being spoiled by these couple bad apples, so we need to have legislation and regulations that make sure that other officers have, one, the ability to anonymously report bad apples, uh, either to state or federal officials without fear of reprisal. And secondarily, we need to uh, ensure that if a officer does shield or hide a officer that they know is bad or that they know is dirty, they face a liability for the crimes that they commit, mm -hmm. whether those be drug, property, or, right. or physical crimes. Because usually be when these officers to get to the report. point of discipline, it's but, not the first time. Yeah, uh, but, you know, Roland, the other thing is these police unions in most states, they have a bill of rights. And those bill of rights come from the state houses and the state senate. Right. I mean, they're a powerful lobby as well. And you got to you got to get to it from two or three or four different vantage points, including let's redefine uh, what reasonable force is to to necessary force, which is a big piece for Senator Kamala Harris. She was on the show last week, I think, when we were talking about this. That'd be a huge change. Officer accountability. Right. And getting these Bill of Rights that most states have for these police officers including Minnesota, where they looked at the video and then gave their story. You got to get rid of that right. stuff. It, it, it's not helpful at all. In fact, it's hurtful. Well, I showed y'all earlier Andrew Cuomo yesterday. This was Andrew oh, Cuomo yeah. today. Yeah. The police yeah. commissioner uh, and said the same thing I just said to you and the same thing I said yesterday, uh, which is it's an issue of management and deployment. Uh, the actual police officers are the best. Uh, my issue was with the management and deployment, never about the police officers. Uh, it's, it's about the management. It's about the deployment, not about the officers. I spoke to the police commissioner. 
Y'all, the death of George Floyd has also unleashed uh, the inner anger of a lot of black celebrities out here. Uh, check out this video. This is actress and ABC talk show host Kiki Palmer. When she took to the streets in New York to express her feelings to several members of the National Guard who were on duty, even getting them to take a knee in solidarity with the protesters. Watch this. Saying once the looting starts, the shooting starts. You have a president talking about the Second Amendment as a use for people to come out here and use fire. And how a university graduate Nick Cannon put together a spoken word video that has garnered more than 700,000 views on YouTube talking about the death of George Floyd. I can't breathe again. God damn, I can't breathe. Our voices are being quarantined. COVID 19, 60s to 1619. Jamestown choked me, sold me. Shackles hold me tightly by my neck, and I can't breathe again. 2020 ain't no fucking vision on your tail. I vision of why I'm living like a prejudged villain. CNN, Fox News commentating and debating why I can't fucking breathe again. How many times do I have to say this? I'm taking the gloves off because racism is the main deadliness. That's Contagious. I just got diagnosed and received a degree in criminology, but fuck your education. I don't want to learn shit from a nation that's racist. The definition of policing, overseeing property. I can't understand how the white man never understood how to handle the human properly. Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the noble Drew Ali spoke constantly, consciously, and cautiously about this ungodly prophecy. You still worried about your prophecy? Amazon deliveries, handouts, hands up, don't shoot, but now your knees are on my neck stopping me from occupying oxygen that God obviously brought for me, for I am his offspring, his true seed, motherfucker, get off of me, please, I can't breathe, please, somebody call the police on the police, cause I can't breathe again and everything hurts your words your knees your nerve your white wife who had the nerve to say she was frightened by black life while my face is on the fucking curb i ain't scared of no fucking virus this mask is for a riot i can't breathe and the media telling me to keep quiet suffocating me into silence the devil's greatest trick convincing the world that we were the ones who were violent Nah, they the ones deficient, insufficient comprehension of their barbaric existence. Y'all worried about this pandemic when our grandparents still trying to recover from when you gave them syphilis. Because in our blood, we scared of the white cells attacking our immunity. The system defective, infected. So who has the disease, you or me? Because I'm at a dis-ease, disadvantage, dismantled disability of your white knees killing me. Been on our neck for centuries. Knees are trees, either way you still lynching me. What did we ever do to you except for build and make America great initially? Fuck again, cause I can't breathe. Potentially, you missing me, clearly not listening. Intentionally, we are a people of peace. But like Pac said, I ain't no killer, but your policies are pushing me further from the legislation, jumping off the education. While your skinheads, the damnation, and your clandestine rhetoric will forever be evident. Fuck the elite in the top 3% I'm heaven sent. I was born Asiatic, and you made me asthmatic. So fuck your vaccine. And masks. You gon' worry about these hands tomorrow cause you can't sanitize the past. You may have took my last breath, but you'll never colonize my spirit. Standing there watching while I die. I can't breathe. And you still can't hear it.
just a few moments ago, uh, artist Kenneth Whalum III sent me this video. Check this out. Wow, certainly want to thank Brother Kenneth Wade III, literally who sent that to me 20 minutes ago. Folks, others are also feeling the repercussions of saying stupid and sensitive things during these times. A white woman has lost her scholarship to play lacrosse at Marquette University because of anti-George Floyd comments on Snapchat. Incoming freshman, name not released, tried to compare Floyd's death to folks kneeling to the national anthem. She put this on Snapchat. Some people think it's okay to fucking kneel during the national anthem, so it's okay to kneel on someone's head. Come at me. Y'all brainwashed. Well, Marquette began to inspect her social media and found other racist posts, and they made it clear that she is not welcome at the Catholic University, according to Marquette spokeswoman Lynn Griffith. Quote, following an internal review involving the Division of Student Affairs, Undergraduate Admissions, Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion, and Intercollegiate Athletics, and in alignment with our guiding values, Marquette University has made the decision to rescind the incoming student's offer of admission and athletic scholarship effective immediately. As a Catholic Jesuit institution, we're called to build a nurturing, inclusive community where all people feel safe, supported, welcomed, and celebrated. Hmm. And black men continue to die as the world protests the death of George Floyd. Here are some of them. Dave Patrick Underwood, a federal law enforcement officer in California, was shot and killed at the U.S. courthouse in Oakland. He's with the Federal Protective Service. We talked about the story of Louisville. Dave McAtee, owner of Yaya's Barbecue, he was shot and killed when Louisville police officers and the National Guard went to break up a crowd in violation of curfew. Fires were shot. They actually were using real bullets 
McAtee was killed. In St. Louis, retired police captain David Dorn was shot and killed while responding to an alarm at a pawn shop. In fact, uh, the video uh, of him being shot is out is on social media, and it is uh, shocking and stunning. And of course, we told you yesterday about 22-year-old James Skurlock was shot by a local bar owner while protesting. Um, going to our panel here, a four black men talking on this show right now, protesting the death of a black man, and four more black men are dead. Well, we have to talk about the sickness in our community that has led to this. The fact is that if you did not have the initial sin of the killing of George Floyd, followed up by the secondary sin of them not charging the officers uh, until a week later, and then when they did charge them to undercharge them, you would not have gotten to the point of having this national level of activism, which led to rioting, which led to um, the deaths of these individuals. Every single life in our community matters. Every single life has to be honored. There is no excuse for people who have exhibited violence and looting uh, and killing as a result of this. Uh, however, we do have to trace it back to the root cause of it, which was the initial uh, the systemic issues that led to the death of George Floyd and the systemic issues which led to the murders of him not being charged. That's how we got to this place. So we have to so solve the underlying issues and also honor the individuals who have lost their lives as a result of this. Mustafa, Scott? Here's a question for you. Forgive me. Here's a question for you. Why do we have generational racism? We're not born with a gene of racism. We have white people teaching their kids and their communities to hate black people simply because of the color of their skin. We got to solve that, whether it's a race reconciliation dialogue or, or something. Because until that underlying racism that perpetuates itself every generation, we're going to continue to see these incidents. Now, we got a lot of other things to deal with. But, but that's one thing, that's the core. Why are people that don't look like us teaching their children to hate, to be racist, and to act out and manifest their racism on a, on a daily, monthly, annual basis? Yeah, but we should also point out the fact that, and we didn't talk about this a second ago, that the, the system, the police, uh, legislatures, have been doing this to us forever. You know, some people don't study history. If they did, they would understand how police forces throughout the time we've been in this country have been used to brutalize us, to corral us, and to make sure that we felt like we were less than human. You know, with the state, with the slave patrols. And then when we went through Reconstruction, they utilized the police forces at that time to continue to brutalize us and to keep us into check. And of course, most folks remember all the way up through the Civil Rights Movement, and how if you look at those historical photos, you will see the police were front and center in many of the actions that were going on. If you look at the lynchings that have happened, there are even photos that have police in the crowd when lynchings were happening to black men and probably black women also. And then, of course, as we made it up through the 70s and the 80s, when the, you know, when the drug epidemic hit and we know who played a role in helping that to come to fruition, we know that then they armed the police and they gave them military weapons that were brought into our communities. So we shouldn't act like this moment wasn't coming. The pressure cooker was getting hotter and hotter and hotter. 
and George is the one who helped that to just explode. But it was going to happen. And that's the reason that people are focused now and saying that we are no longer going to lay down. We are no longer going to be passive. We are demanding change to actually happen. And if we have to put our bodies on the line, if we have to not have masks and worry about COVID-19, we understand the impacts that are happening immediately inside of our communities, and we are willing to pay the price to make sure that people understand that we are serious and that change has to happen. And the magic of the moment is that it is not just people of color who are saying this. We have white brothers and sisters who are standing in solidarity and saying that this is not the country that we want. That's right. And you look at those pictures from slavery up through the civil rights movement and look at the pictures in 2020. Look at these protest movements now and in the last five years. You could hold them up together just like this and look at them, marry them. They, they look the same. They're about the same issues. And I agree with my brother. They, people are just tired. Black, white, brown, yellow. People are tired of this. There's got to be a change. And it's that underlying racism that America's promise won't deal with. She can never fulfill her promise of freedom, justice, and equality until she addresses slavery and racial discrimination. And there's a, there's a reconciliation of these issues. And we have to be fearless about those discussions. We have to have white, black, and brown, and yellow people talking about their fears and their angst and, and their anger. And we have to be open to it. And we've got to reconcile and make peace with it, forgive, accept, maybe reparations. But until we do that, that scab, all we do is pull the scab off when our young black men and women get shot or abused by the police. There's answers in all of that, but we got to have a national dialogue on that. And we are afraid. Black people and white people are afraid to have that discussion. Why? And We cannot and be afraid. I want to do this here. Uh, talk about being afraid. Unfortunately, you have a president of the United States who has no problem at all uh, terrorizing American citizens. Right now, I want to bring up uh, my next guest, retired Lieutenant General Russell Honore, uh, who uh, welcome back to Roller Mart Unfiltered, sir. Hello, Roland. Donald Trump stood before the cameras a couple days ago and tried to actually say he was going to institute the 1807 Insurrection Act. Well, today, uh, the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, gave a news conference uh, where he said he disagreed with that. He also talked about the use of tear gas and pepper spray to clear the way for Donald Trump's photo op in front of St. John's Episcopal Church. Play it, please. The option to use active duty forces in a law enforcement role should only be used as a matter of last resort and only in the most urgent and dire of situations. We are not in one of those situations now. I do not support invoking the Insurrection Act. Secretary of Defense also lied. He said that he did not know where they were walking uh, after that news conference a couple days ago. And in fact, uh, what happened was uh, he knew exactly uh, where uh, they were going because uh, he was officials with that. But this is the thing, that video, guys, go ahead and play it. That video of these officers moving on citizens, firing that tear gas, uh, offended lots of people. Uh, a number of people who have served in the military found it disgraceful to see those actions of Lieutenant G General Russell Honore. Uh, but we now have the former head of the Department of Defense under Donald Trump, uh, James Mattis, who has held his tongue like a lot of senior military leaders not wanting to criticize Donald Trump 
and he has written this. Go to my iPad, please. I have watched this week's unfolding events, angry and appalled. The words equal justice under law are carved in the pediment of the United States Supreme Court. This is precisely what protesters are rightly demanding. It is a wholesome and unifying demand, one that all of us should be able to get behind. We must not be distracted by small, a small number of lawbreakers. The protests are defined by tens of thousands of people of conscience who are insisting that we live up to our values, our values as people and our values as a nation. We must reject and hold accountable those in office who would make a mockery of our Constitution. General, he then said, Donald Trump is the first president in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people, who does not even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to divide us. We are witnessing the consequences of three years of this deliberate effort. We are witnessing the consequences of three years without mature leadership. We can unite without him, drawing on the strengths inherent in our civil society. This will not be easy, as the past few days have shown, but we owe it to our fellow citizens to past generations that bled to defend our promise and to our children. Then he contrasted American values with Nazi ideology. Quote, instructions given by the military departments to our troops before the Normandy invasion reminded soldiers that the Nazi slogan for destroying us was divide and conquer. Our American answer is in union there is strength. We must summon that unity to surmount this crisis, confident that we are better than our politics. That, Lieutenant General Russell Honore, is a significant upbraiding of the person of the commander in chief by a four star general who served as his secretary of defense. Yeah, that's uh, quite a compelling statement. Uh, I want to remind you, I said the same thing within a half hour after uh, the photo op happened on CNN. Indeed. And at the time, what I saw, and I'll repeat here for your audience, uh, I thought I was watching a rerun from something from Turkey where dictators would use their army to attack their people. And I've said this more than one place, and I appreciate the eloquence for which General Mathis' comments were made. But I'll say it here again. We should never tell our police or our soldiers to shoot our own citizens. That should never come out of the mouth of any politicians. Because that is the beginning of the end. When we tell uniformed people to shoot our own citizens, uh, that's a crying shame. And I said it that night, and I'll say it again. The president don't know the Constitution, or you don't give a damn. And also said, and I'll say it again, the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman Joint Chief Staff had no business being with the president. They need to get some distance from him because he cannot be allowed to politicize the military. That will not happen. We cannot let it happen. And you've seen the Secretary of Defense try to walk this back, but he's got a long way to go, and we're all watching. And I'm just telling you, we're not going to let him drag the military into some political uh, Donald Trump uh, aberration of a democracy that looks like Turkey. It's not going to happen. General Honore, I have not played the video the White House put out because I felt it was, it was, it was, it was shameful and despicable. But I'm only going to play it right now for the purpose of this conversation. So, guys, go to my iPad. 
general to, to watch this video. No, kill the music. I don't want to hear that music. Kill the music. To watch this video and to see the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in uniform. Kill the video. Kill the video. I'm done with it. To see him in uniform walking behind this mess after what took place, that's an abomination. It is. And uh, I was embarrassed for him as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the man that's in charge of two million soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, in charge of uh, making sure and taking care of over 3,000 nuclear weapons and over 100,000 troops around the world and thousands of jet fighters, to see him relegated to a photo op for a guy who dodged the army is a crying damn shame. And to see this person try to use the military to intimidate the American people is a crying shame. And as we talk, and, and I'd just like to say this because this is not in my space, the, we've got to win the Senate and we've got to hold the House and you got to win the White House. Uh, I think if that has got to be the focus, once Mr. Floyd get internment happens and we get some kind of commitment, we've got to move on and we've got to get to the damn election and we've got to get people to vote. Only 30% of young people between 18 and 35 voted in the last election. They've got to go vote. And the other thing, like New Orleans and Chicago, we've got to cop killing ourselves. Because when the cops come and we kill two or three of ourselves on Saturday night, they don't value our lives. And we got to raise hell about that and we got to clean our community up because every life is precious. You've had uh, the governors of New York, Virginia, pull their National Guard troops. Uh, you've had a police department in Virginia pull their officers saying they're not going to allow them to participate in that. Uh, I, I really do believe, General, that this man, Donald Trump, and I have not called him president since 2017. I said, I will not call somebody president who simply cannot respect the office of president. When I first met him in the White House, when he met with TV anchors in 2017, they all said, Mr. Trump, President Trump. Nope. I said, hi. I, the words could not come out of my mouth. This man, I absolutely believe, would order the military to shoot on um, American uh, citizens again. I absolutely, I, I believe he has no regard for anything or anybody other than himself, and he would do anything to get reelected again. And Republicans will say nothing to stop him. That is why we've got to keep him in check. I think the Secretary of Defense is ready to get fired if you have to, but he's not going to give that order. The Joint Chiefs are not going to give that order. So he keeps giving orders he cannot enforce. That being said, we as a people need to stay vigilant, make sure these uh, laws get changed, and what the police do and how they handle and they get arrested. Just like if we get stopped and we break a law, we need to put a law out against this chokehold, and we need to go for the bigger prize. And that is to win the Senate. If we don't win the Senate, Winning the House, the White House will be not as effective. We got to win the Senate and the House, and we got to get people to go vote. 
We've got to be focused on all these issues. And if we're going to have a shot, now is the time to do to use this momentum we have uh, across the country and around the world. We've got global support on this, Roland. Yes, indeed. General Honoré, always a pleasure to have you on the show, sir. Thank you very much for your voice and leadership. Enjoy the program. Thank you. Thank you, folks. Images and videos, uh, Russ, the general talked about that. The worldwide support. This is what we put together, a protest all across the country. Excuse me, across the world. The various um, videos that you'll see right now. Go ahead and play it. back to our panel here folks uh you heard the general there you see what's happening around the world uh i'm telling you right now if, if, if you are unclear about this election you blind and dumb i'm sorry i'm gonna call it exactly like i see it well, well, <laughs> well, this is beyond well, uh, seeing, robert first robert first okay Right. Yeah, uh, Roland, this is beyond the election. Very similar to what we saw in the 1960s. This is a worldwide people's revolution. The reason that this is resonating in Sydney, Australia, in London, uh, in South Africa, around the world, is that all oppressed people around the world have uh, feel the same pain as George Floyd. They have similar stories. What we're operating under is a military junta, very similar to what you will see in communist China, where, a, uh, where the president or the leader of the country tells the military to fire tear gas and rubber bullets he can walk across the street, where they invoke the idea of bringing just below martial law in to control its citizens, exercising their free speech. This is similar to Tiananmen Square. So, of course, people in Hong Kong stand up when they see George Floyd. Of course, people in Shanghai stand up when they see George Floyd. Of course, people in, um, in any repressive regime around the country. So this is bigger than simply one election. This is the world changing beneath our feet again. This is, the, this is 1968 with Wi-Fi. This is the civil rights movement um, brought to a global stage into a global perspective where we have to rise up and stand up to the moment the same way that uh, the people then stood up in that moment. It's beyond getting one person out of office or changing one election. It's about changing the world for people going forward. Mustafa. When you say folks uh, calling on the ancestors and also embracing the innovation that happens with young people, you know change is going to happen. When you see the Pope speaking out 
and using similar language that those on the front lines are using, then you know change is going to happen. And when you see politicians beginning to shake and wonder if they need to be in alignment and then realizing that if they aren't, that they probably will no longer hold the positions that they hold, then you know change is going to happen. When you see artists who are creating and sharing on their platforms about what they're feeling based upon what everybody else is sharing with them, then you know change is going to happen. So I'm confident that in this moment, change is going to happen. But we also have to realize that it's going to take work and it's going to take focus and it's going to have to take strategy. And that's the next phase, the next iteration of what we have to be focused on. But well, Roland, Roland, watch this now. All of the videos that you showed, I don't care whether they were Western countries or otherwise, they were all really oppressing the wave of repressive conservatism sweeping this country, similar to, to Trumpism. That's the first thing. Secondly, what we cannot lose sight of is when he loses in November, my greatest fear, and you can see him teeing it up and the GOP teeing it up right now, is that he will not go without a fight, that the transition of power will not be peaceful, and we've got to start planning for that. And the first part is voting to get control of the Senate and the House, because we'll win the White House, but how do we get him out? And this is a very real possibility that we can't think, oh, no, that'll never happen. He's shown us that whatever we don't think can happen politically will happen. I'm gonna put A before B. Before I get to how we gonna how we gonna get him out after he loses, mm -hmm. I want to make sure his ass lose. So I I, I mm -hmm. need to keep folk focus on that. Okay. So my deal is I, I can get to B, but I can't get to B unless I get to A, which I use the hashtag fire Trump hashtag fire Trump in November. Right. All right, folks, let me tell you this yesterday the Minneapolis School Board voted unanimously to terminate their contract with the Minneapolis Police Department for school resource officers. The district will cease further negotiations with the department and Superintendent Ed Graff will have to come up with a new plan for school safety by the board's August 18 meeting. School Board Chairwoman Kim Ellison said in an interview, I value people and education and life. Now I'm convinced, based on the actions of the Minneapolis Police Department, that we don't have the same values. In fact, the state of Minnesota is launching a civil rights investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department. Let's see, the Trump administration uses their Department of Justice to do so. Uh, now, folks, uh, in Philadelphia, the bronze statue of former Philadelphia Mayor and Police Commissioner Frank Rizzo was removed from the, st from the steps of the Municipal Services Building in Center City early Wednesday morning. The statue was damaged on Saturday when crowds tried to bring it down and eventually set it on fire. We should have the video, folks. Roll it. Crews removed the statue from Thomas Paine Plaza across from City Hall around 2 a.m. on Wednesday. Rizzo was mayor of Philadelphia from 1972 to 1980. He was praised by supporters as being tough on crime, but accused by critics of discriminating against minorities. Um, Scott, I was on Twitter. I was a guy from Philadelphia, white conservative. He was like, this is mob rule. I'm like, hell no. Frank Rizzo was a thug. He was a mm -hmm. violent thug. The, pol the Philadelphia Police Department was one of the most racist, brutal police departments in the country. And he said, well, I'm, this, this is not right, uh, John Ziegler. He was like, this is not right. This is being ruled by mob rule. I said, no, guess what? 
Black people are now assuming our power. And I said, enough of these racist statues of folks like Frank Rizzo. They should come down. By the way, uh, I got the notice just a few minutes ago. The governor of Virginia uh, has announced that he is going to be uh, removing the statue of Robert E. Lee in Richmond. Hot damn. Listen, uh, any of those of my generation and my father's generation know the name Frank Rizzo, and it sends shields through our body, even though you didn't live in Philadelphia. He was ahead of Bull Connor in the North, or the Bull Connor of the North. He told them when they were being repressive, when King died and when the civil rights movement and the marches were taking place in the North, he's the one that led the charge on site with the police and the National Guard and told them, get all of their black asses, get every one of them, right? And he did it on camera. He brought the media in and said, now we're gonna get all their black asses. So I don't know how in Philly that they had this statue up in the first place, but it is one of the first ones that needed to go, short of of the Confederate statue. He's right up there. Absolutely, Mustafa. Yeah, I mean, everything that everybody has said, he was horrible, but he Mm -hmm. also, you know, Put in and by place. the way, Mustafa, he got elected twice as he mayor. Did. By the but, way, but, but, twice. when he died running the third time, he ran as a Republican and, uh, and was losing. Go right ahead, Mustafa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and he was also the uh, police commissioner at one time. I thought. Yeah. But yeah. Besides yeah. that fact, you know the legacy that he laid. Let's not forget in 1985 the bombing that happened in Philadelphia, and you know, out of his actions. And, and sort of integrating into the police force there, you know, mm-hmm. has been generations of bad policing, of brutality, of a number of things that, and I used to stay in the summertime in West Philly, West, uh, Westminster and 48th Street. So mm-hmm. I used to see some of the things that played out over time. So, you know, we just have to continue to get rid of these monuments to the past, these monuments to brutality, these monuments to racism. They have no place in the 21st century. Well, that is absolutely the case. All right, y'all. Y'all know what time it is. Uh-oh, here come the white people. I'm white. I got you, Pop. Illegally selling water with our permit? On my property. Whoa! Hey! Hey, Give me your ass. I'm uncomfortable. Well, y'all. The governor of West Virginia, billionaire Jim Justice, was talking today to the media and he was talking about the possibility of the Republican National Convention coming to West Virginia now that Trump is mad at North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper. And he's like, well, we're going to move it out of the state because Cooper is saying, no, you got to have safe distancing. Y'all, this white man said this today at the news conference. Wanted to call me and let me know, you know, that it looks like they're going to go another way. I knew it was a giant long shot and everything, but I wanted West Virginia at least to be on the radar. And so, so you know, that that's the thing. We we uh, we talk frequently, but we just don't talk to chatter. You know, uh, you know, I, I wanted him to always know just how welcome he is in West Virginia. And any president, you know, we should absolutely welcome all, but as you know. Maybe not Barack Obama, <laughs> but nevertheless, we'll welcome any president, you know. Mmm, Mustafa. Welcome all presidents except the first black one. 
I, I wish he would take country roads and they would lead him someplace else. You know, it, it's amazing. He should actually be focused on the fact that West Virginia um, has a 47th in education, that West Virginia has one of the highest unemployment rates in the country, that West Virginia also, unfortunately, um, has, you know, these super high rates of people um, who are unhealthy um, and, and lack health care coverage. So if you want to focus your energy, then maybe you should focus on the things that actually will make a real change in people's lives. And if you want to call up President Obama's name, then look at his legacy of addressing those issues across the country. So maybe you might actually want to invite President Obama to come and, and give you some pointers on how to actually govern a place correctly. <laughs> on top of all that, Roland, it's got to be still one of the most corrupt states, red states, in the, in, in the country. That is, if you look back, the three or four of their West Virginia Supreme Court justices all have either been indicted or stepped down because of corruption. The highest court in West Virginia, and by the way, it's a red state, Barack Obama sent a lot of public aid and public assistance to that state. Another misnomer about white conservative uh, states, be it in the North or South, they use more public assistance than people of color in the North or South. Hey, you know, Roland, I, I think it's important for us to just ask the question. Often uh, in media, when we see prominent jigaboos like Candace Owens, uh, they'll ask why... Uh-uh, uh, no, uh, 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 no, no, we can't have them. Can't have them names sorry, like that, but go not, ahead. Not we, don't, we don't do prominent it. Prominent people who question black voters and why they vote for the Democratic Party despite not getting many things from them. We need to ask some of these red state Republicans, why do you mm. keep voting Republican when you're not getting anything from those governments? When you're still near the bottom in education, near the bottom in health care, near the bottom in, uh, in unemployment, why do you keep voting Republican year after year when you're not getting anything from those governments? Those questions have to be asked. And many of the programs that will really help the people People in his community uh, are democratic programs, social services programs, educational programs are what are needed, and they will they will rather cut off their nose to spite their face to uh, continue to vote Republican despite not helping their community. Guns and pro life, that's all that matters. Guns and pro life, that's why. That's it. Oh, but <laughs> I, I, I just came across this video here, y'all. We were just talking about the thugs in Philadelphia who were cops during the days of Frank Rizzo. This is from last night. Three black kids just walking home, not protesting. Watch what these cops do. You go home. <gasps> Fuck 12. I'm in my house. Fuck you. I'm in my house. I'm in my house, pussy. Fuck you. They pepper sprayed three black girls. No reason. I, th th that's the kind of unprovoked madness. So for all the people, let me be real clear. You got fools out there who are tearing stuff up. I don't defend that, but I'm sure as hell not going to sit here and praise all cops when you when you just pepper spraying people for the hell of it, driving through crowds, spraying out of your car, some of these cops almost running over people. I mean, these folks, it, it, no sense whatsoever. Anybody coming? You can take that one. Yeah, you know, you know Roland, it's that mentality I, I keep talking about. 
you're not there. If someone pushes you and you get personally offended, these cops get personally offended and then they lash out to those who are offensive, whether it's F you or whatever the case might be. But the problem is they got a gun, a badge, and the American flag. They're operating on the color of law. This isn't some fight on the street. They've got to be held to a higher standard. They need to hold themselves to a higher standard, and they don't. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's just me against you, and we're going to throw down. So one thing, I got the law protecting me, and I got a gun, and I'm going to use it. That is awful. That's just incredible. And, and Roland, I, the part of what we're doing with Rainbow Push is issuing a manifesto on reforms that need to be done in the criminal justice system to uh, help protect people. Part of it is training officers that just because you have a gun and a badge does not put you above the law or above any other human being. Your job is to protect and serve, not to patrol, not to uh, not to incite, not to Kill. cause fear and anger in the community. And I think that has to be reinforced to officers to, that they are not an occupying force, but rather an integral part of the community meant to protect people i got i gotta ask y'all this here because oh lord is it getting lots of attention uh drew Brees, the quarterback of the new orleans saints did an interview uh with uh yahoo finance and the issue of the the issue of the uh protest uh came up obviously uh colin kaepernick uh and all of that and so I want to play for y'all this because, man, it has sparked a huge response on social media. Watch this. Go to it. And now it's coming back to the fore, and a lot of people expect that we will see players kneeling again even when the NFL season starts. I'm curious how you think the NFL will and should respond to that. And, of course, you're such a leader in the league. Uh, what is your responsibility as a leader uh, in times like this for the rest of your teammates and, and players in the league? Well, I, I will. I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my Ooh, heart. It got real hot. A lot of his, his own teammates are saying, we don't give a damn what you think. Mm -hmm. is, I'm just saying it's going to be a little hot locker room there, Scott. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and don't just isolate him. Uh, Vic Faggio, the uh, Faggio, the coach of the, the Denver, Denver Broncos. Broncos. Yeah, he apologized. Uh, today for saying in an interview that he saw no racism in the NFL. Yeah, you're a white so man. Duh. Exactly. But it's beyond education. It's their view of the world. And that's what you're fighting. Yep. This white privilege and supremacy that may be innate or they neither one think they're racist, but their racism hurts us. And that's what you got to get at. When you start talking and counseling and confronting white people, because their world is very different from, from a black world. They have no concept or idea. Their top 10 issues don't include race and racism. But if you interview black people, racism is in the top three of their list of issues on a day-to-day -day basis. Because we Those have to deal with it. Those yeah. crazy. They need to be one. Well, in fact, again, people don't want to have to deal with this. In Alabama... 
uh, protesters were in Birmingham uh, trying to take down these Bur these uh, Confederate statues. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of days ago, uh, actually Sunday, the mayor, Randall Wolfen, went out there and he said, look, y'all just give me until Tuesday at noon. Well, around 10 o'clock mm -hmm. on Monday night, uh, this huge Confederate statue in Lynn Park came down. Thank goodness. Joining us right now is Mayor Randall Woodfin uh, from Birmingham. Uh, Scott, a fellow alpha, just just to want to let you know that. Uh, Mayor Woodfin, glad to have you. Scott, you look kappa. Scott, 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 no kappas, can't talk right now. Uh, Mayor Woodfin, glad to have you uh, on the show. First and foremost, ooh, them folks, them Republicans in Alabama don't like you right now because you took down one of their statues. Let me tell you, um, I believe we did the right thing. Uh, I want to remind people that the city of Birmingham was not even a city during, during the Civil War. Um, the city of Birmingham was founded in 1871. I think the other thing to remember is that there's a lot of revisionist history here. Uh, people need to remember that any form of celebrate, celebrating the Confederate is un-American. Uh, we need to remember that it was, um, it, was treason, it was treason for those who wanted to break away from our country. And this is not something we should be celebrating or even be a conversation in 2020. Got to ask you, Mayor, there was a statue, in a Confederate statue in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, Let's go to my iPad. They took that statue down. Now the Virginia governor, Ralph Northam, is announcing he is going to remove a Robert E. Lee statue there in, um, uh, in Richmond as well. We talked a little bit earlier about the Frank Rizzo statue coming down in Philadelphia, one of the most brutal mayors uh, who endorsed police brutality at every turn. You have the people who are saying, oh, this is just wrong. It's unfair. No, Mayor, what I say is this is where black folks are saying we have had to tolerate his story all of these years. No, we're not going to deal with real history and we're not going to be willing to celebrate people who lost, who were great traitors like Jefferson Davis and all those Confederates. And again, these people who somehow want to celebrate losers. Absolutely. At the, at, there are two things at the root of this. Uh, a participatory trophy on public display in a city park that's managed and owned by the city where a city is 74% black um, no monument deserves to be on display that basically says it's okay to relegate black people to property and slaves. It's offensive and it's wrong. It's unacceptable. And that's why it needed to be removed, period. Um, one of the things that um, we've been also, been, now of course, uh, they, they're going to try to find you 25000 Is somebody doing a GoFundMe? They've already raised the money to pay your fine. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, there's, there's, I don't know. Thank you. Is I'm trying to find words that are bigger than thank you to the outpouring of community support of folk who have have maxed out and giving towards paying this fine and paying to help remove it and help paying to um, transport it and all of these things we have to do. Um, the state of Alabama, there's a legislator down here um, during the legislative session that had to be um, postponed due to the coronavirus was wanting to amend the current $25,000 one-time uh, payment if it's moved or covered to $10,000 a day. And so you know that there are people here, even elected officials, who are still wanting to promote something um, that doesn't work for America. Well, uh, it's crazy to see that. Got to ask you this here. I saw this video. Uh, reminded me of the Bill Clinton walk-in video at the Democratic National Convention uh, in 2000. Uh, you did a video where you, about a four and a half minute video where you were trying to get people to understand 
not just protest, but what should be the outcomes of protesting? Explain that. It's, it's simple. Um, the night before, I had a, a unfortunate riot situation in our city where there was a combination of looters and anarchists. And to the young people I know who are passionate, and who have the right to be angry, sad, and fearful about what happened to George Floyd, um, they need and deserve results. And if you want results, um, you don't get them in the form of burning things and looting and just um, damaging property. I think there's an opportunity to not only identify the actual injustice, but I think it's important to know you have a mayor like me that's accessible, open, and that you can negotiate with to get the results you need. And then the third thing is to have the self-discipline enough to stay on message and not do the things uh, that make people talk about the looters and the anarchists versus the peaceful protesters. And the fourth thing is direct action. So I just want to remind young people that successful movements are, are um, unfortunately, are marathons and not sprints. And if you want to see the return you need in fighting against the injustice, um, there's a way to do it. And the thing that I also have to say, though, because if we understand American history, if you look at the race riots in American history, they were most preceded by police brutality. That's what sparked those particular riots. But unfortunately, they, uh, unfortunately, go, go, go ahead. No, they did. I, I'm happy to say I'm and I'm happy to say that the Birmingham Police Department is reflective of the makeup of the city of Birmingham, whether it's a majority black officers. But not only that, it was something that is cooler than that is majority of the officers are from here. They're born here. They were raised in the same neighborhoods as our residents. They went to the same schools. They go to the same churches. Their mothers and, and grandparents and family live here. I think Birmingham police, who has a who's had an awful history, unfortunately, even with the Benita Carter um, killing um, back in the 70s, uh, we've come a long way. I think we have a national story to tell and share of how police reform actually works and the results you need to make um, better relationships and communication and trust between officers and those they're sworn to protect and serve. Well, and the issue that we also have to deal with, of course, is, is we talked about this here, um, how we did it earlier, that four black men uh, have been killed during these protests. Uh, this is a video right here. I hate to have to show it, but this was a video uh, of uh, an officer. Uh, actually, I'm not going to show it. Uh, a retired cop in St. Louis uh, who was uh, shot and killed where folks were out there um, taking televisions. It was a cop in Oakland. you got the brother in Omaha. Uh, you've got the brother, the barbecue owner in um, Philadelphia. And I'm reminded of the fact that when you think back to all those race rides, go back to Detroit, go back to Memphis, we can go on and on and on. Black people, many black people died during those riots. Listen, Roland. We have not seen a success, a success story where escalation works during these times. Now, they have to strike a balance between de-escalation and public safety in managing these situations. And I think there are opportunities. Um, uh, my mom and many others thought I was crazy and very unsafe for me to walk into the middle of protesters to try to get them to calm down prior to police moving in. The reason I thought that was important is because when we see police go into these situations in full force, um, you have one of three situations happen or all three. Um, the protesters get hurt, 
the officers get hurt and or property damage starts to happen. Um, and I don't want any of those things to happen. Unfortunately, one of those things happened. And, and in our situation, um, two people from the media um, were assaulted. But if you can go into a situation and attempt to de-escalate it and try every other um, tool within your toolbox to de-escalate a situation, um, I think you can get to a point where um, enough space is safe uh, for people to just simply walk away versus being arrested or worse people getting hurt and or killed. Um, got to ask, first of all, you know, let's do this here. Got a question from each of my panelists. Let me go to Mustafa first. Mustafa, you got a question for Mayor Randall Whiffin? Yeah, first of all, it's good to see an, another alpha man, so I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, one of the yes, questions sir. that I had was, you know, how can everyday folks across the country support your administration and what you're doing to help continue to transform uh, your city? Well, I think one of the biggest things I want to recommend people to do is, is go to BHAM, B-H-A-M, strong.com, BHAMstrong.com. Um, I, I need to remind people we're still in the middle of a pandemic and the coronavirus crisis, um, which is separate from the economic crisis that's been created on the ground. And many people on the on the front line, what I define as hourly workers who happen to be minorities, are, are unemployed. And now you have this situation on top of it with the injustice done to George Floyd that's created tensions in just not just Birmingham and Minneapolis, but across the nation. Well, we've got this website at bmstrong.com for folk to be able to get involved, participate in how to engage the community and or who need support on many ways of supplementing and providing solutions for the things that exist on the ground that are not working for people. So I just want to encourage you across the country, please visit bhamstrong.com to learn what we're doing, to see ways you can get involved and or support. Really great question. Thank you. Robert. Uh, Mayor, uh I'm also uh, here in Atlanta, and uh, one thing that is very important is, as you were saying, the composition of that police department matching the composition of the city. Can you talk a little bit more about the importance of community policing and efforts that you've made to ensure that uh, people are not, aren't, uh, the police officers aren't driving from those you know, suburban counties from uh, 60, 70 miles away to police communities, but rather are entrenched in neighborhoods and how that provides better service? Listen, it's extremely important. I think. Um, Community policing, um, what you realize is this, enforcement is not the only way to decrease crime and is definitely the opposite of building trust. If police engagement only deals with enforcement, um, the two other arms that support enforcement are prevention measures as well as reentry measures. And I think on the community policing end, um, it's important to engage young people. It's important to engage the residents on your beat. It's important to get for officers to get out of your vehicle. It's important to talk with the residents and communicate with them prior to there's, if there's ever a crime. And it, I mean that in two ways. Um, the first way is if you are in a position that you know the residents on your beat, you're more likely to be able to de-escalate a situation. But if a crime does occur through community policing and because trust has been built, you're more, li more likely to get intel in the opposite of the no snitching culture because police are actually interacting with people who live there and it's not just through enforcement. So community policing um, is a model I would suggest for any mayor in the country, for any police chief in the country to embrace because it's the quickest way to build more trust between police officers and the community they serve. Kappa? Uh, you gonna let a, you gonna let a Kappa talk? Yeah, now? go ahead, go ahead. 
Keep it short. Keep it short, though, but you're used to keeping it short. <laughs> Scott Bold, the class of 84 Morehouse College, congratulations on your victory. We, we love your leadership there. I think your video on the principles of, of, of protest was very powerful. Uh, I hope everyone downloads it, and I thought it was very timely. Can you talk about those four principles? I think you derived them from Martin Luther King Jr., and how did you get our young protesters to really embrace that and live by that? Because that's really why they're out there. Well, so the, the four principles of a successful um, protest are, one, identifying the injustice, uh, two, negotiations, um, three, self-purification, but I think a, the easier way to say that is just self-discipline. And, mm -hmm. and force direct as force direct action. Um, I think our young people are really, really talented and great at identi mm -hmm. identifying the injustice. But I think uh, what's missing is the engagement of negotiations as well as self-discipline to stay on message around the around the injustice and know that you can actually sit at the table. I am very reminded of King having so much access to the White House. And did the president agree with everything King wanted? Absolutely not. The king agreed with every decision um, that the administration at the time was making? Absolutely not. But he, he maintained access. I want to remind our young people that um, you, you don't always have to hit at the elected officials you agree, uh, disagree with. Sit down and, and request a meeting. Um, if they're like me, they will actually talk with you. And I know that through negotiations and that self-discipline and identifying an injustice, um, that you can get to more reform on the issues you want resolved. And so, right. young people, leadership is important. Please don't follow these folk that only want to loot. Uh, please don't follow these folk that only want to burn, destroy. Uh, please don't follow these folk who only want uh, a, a Twitter mention or doing it for the gram or social media. If you want tangible, real action, um, these are the things you need to do. Um, to make sure you get justice. Mary, you talked about leadership. You talked about leadership. That's obviously important. We're seeing this right now. Uh, since Friday, Joe Biden t uh, came out and talked on Friday, released a statement on Saturday, uh, came back uh, with uh, another speech uh, on uh, yesterday. And you, you contrast that with what Donald Trump uh, has done. Um, I, I think it, it's real clear. I think if you want to say, is there a contrast between two people? their responses to what has happened in the past week shows no greater contrast as far as I'm concerned. It's simple. One of those gentlemen has empathy. The other person does not. The one that has empathy is, is our Vice President Joe Biden, who understands um, that you have to have patience, that you have to have a listening ear, that you have to understand why people are crying out and understand their anger if, even if you haven't ever felt it, even if you don't have a black son or grandson, even if you don't live in fear, is to embrace others. The other person, the current person that occupies 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, it's clear he has a lot of flaws, but I would say one of the biggest ones he has in a time like this, when the, when the country is literally on fire, is that he does not have any empathy. And any American should be very afraid of a leader of a country that does not know how to express show or have an ounce of empathy to relate to Americans who are literally grieving out loud right now. Um, we lost today Dr. Conrad Worrell, uh, National Black United Front, uh, scholar, educator, guys, go to my iPad, this is his photo. Uh, 
uh, Mark Thompson, I interviewed him um, about 10 days ago. Uh, he did not have much breath. He knew he was dying. And we aired the interview on Monday. It, folks, is available on my YouTube channel. And he said, he said as a, re as a revolutionary, as a radical, he said point blank, he said black people bury the hatchet. We got to do everything we can to get Trump out in November. He said, if you, this is a guy who support reparations for 50 years. He said, if you want a black agenda, he said, deal with your black agenda behind closed doors. He said, the bottom line is there's nothing more important to black people than getting Trump out. He wanted us to run to air that because he knew he was not going to be here in November. A solid brother. May, may he rest in peace. Um, and we lost a giant. But he's clear on one thing. There is no such thing as a perfect candidate for office at any level, not for school board, not for city council, not for mayor, not for state representative, state senator, U.S. congressperson, U.S. senator, um, governor, and definitely not for president. But Vice President Joe Biden, make no mistake, is a true leader and will fundamentally not only change America for the better direction, but definitely make the investments in the black community. And black Americans, we have a choice between those two people that is an easy choice. We may not have or get everything we want as it relates to the candidate, but it's gonna be a whole lot more than what currently exists at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And for me, that is an easy choice. And um, I, you know, I believe in Vice President Joe Biden. I like what he stands for. I not only appreciate, appreciate his empathy and his heart, um, but I appreciate his vision and direction for where he wants to take our country. And it's not just black Americans should get behind um, Vice President Joe Biden. Um, I want our young Americans and, and the generations under me to get behind Vice President Joe Biden. Um, I know I want our older um, seniors and our generations above me to get behind Joe Biden and all the races and all the socioeconomic um, um, the, where we have in this country supporting the best person, um, urban, suburban, rural America. Everyone should be behind Vice President Joe Biden because what we currently have at the White House simply is not working for Americans and our country. Randall Woodfin, Mayor of Birmingham. We're surely appreciated, Frat. Thanks a lot. Thank you, brother. All right, then, folks. I, 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 I got to do this real quick for my panel before I let them go, y'all. Um, in fact, can y'all just run the crazy ass by people stinger one more time? Just one more time, please. Roll it, please. <laughs> I got you, Carl. Yeah, um, illegally selling water with our permit. On my property. Whoa! Hey! Hey, Randall, give me your hand. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, I go to my iPad. Donald Trump actually tweeted this today. In three and a half years, I've done much more for our black population than Joe Biden has done in 43 years. Actually, he set them back big time with his crime bill, which he doesn't even remember. I've done... I've done more for black Americans, in fact, than any president in U.S. history, with the possible exception of another Republican president, the late great Abraham Lincoln, and is not even close. The Democrats know this, and so does the fake news, but they refuse to write or say it because they are inherently corrupt. See pinned above. Which one of y'all want to go ahead and deal with this? Take y'all pick.
Why are you asking us this? Why would you put that on? No, Why because are you doing that no, 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 no. Because I'm, here's the most here, here's the most laughable thing: the possible exception <laughs> of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> this fool actually right. thinks that the little crap he's done is on par with the Emancipation Proclamation. This how this how dumb this fool is. Well, but, unemployment but also, is back Roland, up. I, I think it, uh, <laughs> Thanks to this 70-day Hold on, delay. Scott, Scott, go ahead. Yeah, I, I also think it points <laughs> to... Hold on, Robert, hold on, Robert, Robert. Scott, 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 then Robert. Go ahead, Scott. Okay, he can't claim uh, uh, high block employment because he waited his 70 days, so that's out the window. The uh, Reform Act that uh, freed some uh, in people in prison... Uh, that really didn't go far enough, if you will. There's so much more work to be done, and that started before him by both Democrat and Republicans on the Senate uh, and, and House side. I don't know. I think he's just delusional. And he comes up with these ideas, and he tweets on them, and he thinks that we will believe what he has convinced himself to believe, and so he just puts it out there, if you will. And it's just irrational thoughts. <laughs> and so I don't know why you even went back to No, 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 because here, here, here's why. Because, Robert, today... The DNC had a black media roundtable call. And just as it started, Paris Denard sends out this email talking about uh, Black Lives Matter to Donald Trump. And then I then retweeted, I said, you know, it's interesting that Michael Steele came on the Tom Jordan Morning Show, my News One show. He writes mm -hmm. previous came on one time, Robert. I said, Rona McDonald, Daniel, she ain't done no black media. I'm like, so don't try to sit here and play this little game. And, and, and but, but, I just wanted to show people how insane this man is because he, the possible exception. So he actually thinks he's in the same conversation with Abraham Lincoln when it comes to black people, as if President Lyndon Baines Johnson didn't exist uh, when it came. Booyah. Go ahead, Robert. Just, just go ahead and talk about it. Booyah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the bigger issue is that it's arguable. And the reason being, the bar is set so low for what presidents have done for the black Americans in this country. You can basically X out the first 150 years of presidents because we were in slavery during that. Then you have Lincoln. Then you can go another 50 years until you get to FDR. Then you get FDR, Truman, Eisenhower, and uh, Kennedy, LBJ. Then from there, you can X all the way out till you get to Obama as far as doing things for the black community. So what we do have to do is have a very serious look at what America has done to black people in this but, country but, but, and what we need to have done to black people in this country. I'm taking the hyperbole of the tweet out. I think we do need to have a historical analysis of what needs to be done for the black community and what has been lacking over the last 200 years in this country. But here's the deal, though, Mustafa. We can do all of that, but the reality is... I, look, for all of how sorry Richard Nixon was... If you actually read Bob Brown's book, you get a real understanding. Richard Nixon did more for black people than what Donald Trump has done. Almost every president has. You know, when people pose that question, you know, it's very simple. What have you done? Because he never has a response for that besides one item in over three and a half years that he can point to. But we can point to the fact that he tried to roll back voter protection, that he has tried to roll back civil rights that if you look in the housing context, the, you know, the disparities that continue to exist there, if you look in the environmental context, rolling back all those laws that black and brown people have been fighting for because they were dying. So we can go down the laundry list of the agencies and departments 
and the policies and the rules that they have in place and just ask the question, what have you done that has helped black people or people of color to be in a better position? And when you can only point to one part for one thing in three and a half years, that answers the question that you haven't done a damn thing for the people that need your help the most. And, mm -hmm. and we'll leave it there. Gentlemen, I really appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Thanks, Roland. Thank All you. All right, folks, got to go to a break, a real quick break. We come back, we'll talk to a black-owned business. Uh, she's now making a hand sanitizer. What's up next to Roller Martin Unfiltered? You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Black Mama Vodka founder and president Vanessa Braxton is the first black woman to be an owner, operator, and manufacturer of an actively distributed vodka in the United States. In response to the national shortage of hand sanitizer, she shifted gears to actively produce thousands of bottles out of the alcohol she has on hand. Vanessa joins us right now to talk about how business owners can adapt during this critical time. So, Vanessa, how many bottles have y'all done? <laughs> how are you? Great. How many bottles have y'all done? 8,000. No, 12,000 now. 12,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. Yeah, we've shipped some to Department of Homeland Security, Kings County Hospitals, um, some colleges. Um, it's constant online. People are ordering at blackmamatees.com and, you know, getting the essentials. So, so you're selling so you're, so you're so <laughs> them, but, but you're also selling it online. Oh, yeah. We're selling it online, and we're also looking to go into stores just as well. I've had to add a new add new employees. Really? Unexpe yeah, unexpectedly. That was that was good from the community. So I'm, I'm a manufacturer. I'm about manufacturing. Um, I'm in the hood, and I... Where? Where? What city? In Wine Dance, Long Island. Got it. Call okay. it the yeah, so I hire people from the community, and I'm very big on manufacturing, manufacturing in our communities and scaling up and providing stuff that everybody needs uh, at a different level. MA7MGTE said on YouTube, I've had her tea and I have had their tea and vodka. Good stuff. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> so, folks, so folks wanted to, uh, so first of all, hold the bottle up again so we can see it. Uh, and uh, and so, what size is that? This is an eight ounce. All right. This, this eight ounce is thirteen ninety nine. Um, you know, for eight ounces, it's seventy five percent, seventy five percent a high high antiseptic, and it's the WHO and FDA formula. So now I'm a FDA over the counter drug manufacturer. Okay. So that's a nice thing. Now, so what, now what's now what? And first of all, you said the website way too fast. So if folks wanted to buy black-owned hand sanitizer, where do they go? Blackmamatees.com. Okay, black, B, okay, spell it out. B-L-A-C-K, mama, M-O-M-M-A, not mama, mama, M-O-M-M-A-T-E-A-S.com. Blackmamatees.com. Uh, and you know what? Let me give you a code so everybody can get 10% off. Okay. Black Mama 10. B-L-A-C-K-M-O-M-M-A 10. They can get 10% off if they 
watch your show. Okay. All right, then. Let's see what we should have done. We should have given the code, and then we got the 10% to pay for the show. But anyway. You'll get some for your I, show I, I, for I mess, yourself. Don't mess, worry. I'm going to hook you up. I'm messing with I'm you. I'm going to hook you up. <laughs> how many, so, so how long do you think you're going to continue to do this? and Or have you said, wait a minute, this is another product line? This is another product line. Wow. Um, that's the beauty of being a manufacturer. And when you do things right, um, I've expanded my facility. I own my own facility and distribution centers across the country. So I'm going to keep this as a line, expand on it, a lemon scent. I'm going to do one with tea tree oil. I'm going to do one with lavender. I'm going to make it a complete line, which will be completely um, still kosher and it'll be a better brand. That's what I'm looking to do. And it'll be black owned. Wow. Well, that is awesome. Uh, I'm sure you're, you're probably saying, I did not expect this to be the no. case coming out of the coronavirus. Now, let's, on the alcohol side, though, a lot of folks still been drinking. How have those sales been going? Excellent. <laughs> I've sold out. <laughs> I've sold out my year capacity. Are you serious? I kid you not. In the two months of what I allocate, I've sold out. I just got bottles that just... You stop. <laughs> what? No, when you sell out, that means you done made some money. Okay. Yes, I gotta say God is good, but also my, you know, my 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 customers are good. I got about sixty thousand customers now. It's just been crazy. Wow. Yeah, we were here till four o'clock in the morning, working, trying to do social distancing. And it's, it's, we never stop working. We're just getting to slow down now. But I know coming up um, for July 4th, right. I got this last set of bottles that I'm going to push out that everybody's sitting down waiting for, pomegranate tea vodka and my chai tea vodka, because I manufacture vodka from teas. Got and it. it's all used. So I'm just I'm just about manufacturing and, and making wow. sure that our people work and building a legacy because that's very important for you know generational wealth and, and keeping my family office going. Well that is awesome there. I don't drink, so I can't taste your product. I'll send you some tea. All right. Now my my family drink. Now my brother, my mom, and my daddy, all of them drink now. I just don't drink. Uh so uh, but I'm sure uh, yeah, they will enjoy first of all, first of all, they enjoy coming to my house. Uh, cause people send me alcohol and I'm like, they like, sure we'll partake uh, in the <laughs> gifts you have received. Uh, so it's all good there. I got to ask you a real quick last question. Why the name backwards? So like, w what's up with that? I'm going to be honest. We were drinking when we came up with this idea. <laughs> it was a, a really thick spades game. Till 11, you know, we were drinking all night till 11 o'clock in the morning. It was six of us, and um, I think somebody was smoking something, and he mentioned about turning it upside down. Wow. It was supposed to be a spade, you know, and then we put BM in the middle, but really when you turn it upside down, it's a woman's um, neckline with a bustier on, and a lot of people don't know that until you really, really look at it. So the thing about Black Mama <laughs> is once it's on the shelf, and people will pick it up, the possession is already there. They just buy it anyway. 
So. They, they know exactly what Black Mama is. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Congratulations on your success. Uh, and again, uh, uh, go ahead and give out the, um, the code there for folks to get 10% off. Uh, so the website, blackmamatees.com, B-L-A-C-K-M-O-M-M-A-T-E-A-S.com. And that code again? Black Mama 10. 10? 10? 10% off. Yes, 10. Black Mama Black 10. Mama 10. All right, mm -hmm. then. Vanessa Braxton, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Hold on one second. Uh, what did you say? My office, what did you just tell me? What? Okay, okay, hold up. Somebody, well, first of all, let me check. Somebody on YouTube what? said the link isn't working, but sometimes folk got that cricket Wi-Fi. Let me check myself. Blackmamatees.com. Black Mama. Y'all, yeah. the website yeah. working. Y'all, yeah. the website, I just pulled it up. So the y'all on YouTube said it ain't working. You, you got that bad Wi-Fi or something. It works. I just pulled it up. All right. <laughs> All right, Vanessa, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Martin. Thank uh, you, Roland. All right, folks. It. All right, folks. You know we support black-owned businesses here. And so roll it, Henry. Y'all know we gonna roll. My, I swear that boy been sleeping. I swear. Can, can you play the video right now? Can y'all play the video? Oh my God. Lord have mercy. Mary Spio, she has created y'all these amazing. Go play. Keep playing the. Uh, keep playing the slideshow. These amazing headphones here. Black owned company, of course. We had her on the show talking about it. Y'all, these are 360-degree 4D headphones. Gamers love them, uh, but you can also talk. They are Bluetooth. The sound is amazing. I'm telling y'all, I, I got a lot of headphones. I really love these headphones. Uh, and so for our, for our viewers, and let me tell y'all something. Y'all have been amazing supporting this black-owned company. It's been great. Here's the code. If y'all want to buy these headphones or you want to buy the virtual reality headset, uh, they have on sale. Pull a code up, please. Use this code. RMVIP2020. RMVIP2020. Go to seek.com. C-E-E-K.com. See, y'all, we support black-owned businesses here. That's what we do. Uh, and so we want to provide something for you. Y'all going to buy headsets. Y'all going to buy hand sanitizer. You might as well buy it from a black-owned company. All right? Going to a break. We come back. Comedian Michelle. Wild Not Wednesday. Back in a moment. You want to support Roller Barge Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. All right, fam, every Wednesday we got Wild Night Wednesday. Joining us now is comedian Michelle. What up? What's going on, Roland? Did you finally find your man yet? You know what? I'm not doing this with you. What? I'm what? I mean, you're always talking about you, you the indie mom, a single mom, all that sort of stuff. I, 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 you know, see, you got and me what the hell is the, what the hell is the in, What the hell is the indie mom? You from Indianapolis? When you met me, independent, innovative. When you met oh, me. Oh, I'm sorry. I know hey, what Roland, you... you know that I've been in the institution for 20 years. I had been inside the institution of marriage you for 20 years. You were committed? Okay, you were committed? Impossible. What, like in what institution? You were committed? 
you know what? I'm not. I'm not doing this with you. You know that I was in the institution of marriage for 20 plus years. You know I'm institutionalized. I, look, I don't know that. First of all, why you ain't got a tripod for your phone? What you doing? You holding it? You said I'm. No, I'm not holding my phone. Why are you all over here? Cause it's shaky. Oh, do you know what? That's my laptop. No, but I'm but about to get. I'm about to get vertigo. I'm about to be out on parole. You know, I'm about to be out on parole. I did my 20 years inside. But I'm about to be out in these streets. And yes, I will be. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm this close to being emancipated and proclamated. You ain't, first of all, you ain't going to be out in no streets with coronavirus. You ain't going nowhere. Be very clear. I'm not on stage. I'm not in the streets. You're absolutely right. In fact, I am so happy that I can honestly have permission to tell people I can't talk to you right now. Look, it's a beautiful thing. Look, bomb lines is here. OK, you can still talk is. all that nonsense you want to. You at the crib. Okay, yes. I bet I bet all you doing is communicate with dudes online. That's uh, a lie. Any catfishing? You ain't, you ain't been catfish. You know, I, I got three churn rolling. I got three <laughs> whole churn, and I ain't got time to be communicating online. You understand me? I got three. I got one that look that go to PVAMU. You know that. Prayer review. That's right. I got one going to the eleventh grade and one going to eighth. I ain't got time. I'm out here shuffling and, and, and tapping and dancing on virtual. I'm getting cash app, cash app receipts. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, they, Roland, they, I'm they, out here working. They hooking you up? I'm working, Roland. Okay, all right, I'm just checking. I mean, when you say I'm, you, when you say you working, I mean, for some people, working me. When people, so some people say I'm working and cash app in the same sentence, that means something else. You know, but that's because that's why you should drink. I heard you tell a sister you don't. I drink. ain't never drank my this, life. Listen, listen, because you already got special needs, Roland. You don't need to drink. There's already something very special about you. There's already, you already, listen, you got an IEP that ain't been updated in 20 years, okay? You've been off your medication for 20 years. You don't need a drink. I don't need no medication. I don't need no medication. I don't need none of that stuff. I'm good. I'm straight. It's all, it's, I'm good. I'm the one who gonna always, I'm the one who always drive home. I'm the one who remember what y'all do when y'all mess it up. I'm just saying. That's what you, what, how you gonna put me in there, Roland? I don't drink nothing, but listen, I can't handle no drinks. What you talking about? Mm -hmm. I'm already special. Mm-hmm. Okay. Believe that. I'm already special. Believe that. But I gotta ask you, Rayla, I gotta ask you something, Roland. What? How you feel how you feel about them uh reimagining um looting for white folks? Reimagining it. Oh, they call looting for white people strolling, going out for a stroll. Right. No, 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 no. This what this what they call it, Roland. Um, I know you saw the sister that broke into the specialty shop, and when she came out, the the, the commentator said, "You know what? I just want to believe that she was going back into her job to get a bag that she left as she walked out of the broken glass window with a bag in her hand and some other goods, walking through a cracked window." The commentator said, "We just, you know." We're just gonna hope that she was picking up things from work. First of all, ain't nobody working, baby sis. Ain't nobody working at midnight, okay? But she got the benefit of the doubt. How are they reimagining looting for white folks, Roland? Uh, look, I can't help you. I can't help you. I think they're special. So, uh, it's, to me, right? to me, I mean, it, it, it's hilarious watching these people uh, just sort of make up stuff. Uh, and I just keep saying, hire more black anchors. You said what, Roland? Hire more black anchors. Hire more black anchors. That's all the problem. Hire, no, That's hire the... more black anchors who are unafraid to tell the truth. No, 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 no. I said hire more black anchors. 
I didn't say hire more black anchors. Hire more black what? anchors. That's what I said. No, no, no. You said hire more black anchors. I said hire more black anchors. That's exactly what I said. That's no, no, no. Just, no, no. See, you had, you no, no. Know. See, the difference between me and you, you had treble in your black. I had bass in my black. Oh, well, I have reverb. I no, 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 no. I, uh, I said see, it twice. I want bass. Black I anchors. got reverb. That means you're going to keep hearing it over and over again. I want rolling. you to hire black anchors. That's all I'm saying. Is that right? That's it. All right, I got to go. I got to go. You got to go? I got to do ABC News with Lindsey Davis uh, in uh, in about 11 minutes. So, okay, uh, do that. What's your cash app? What's your cash app? I-N-D-I-E, the letter M like mom, N-D-M. You can catch me at Michelle Comedy on all my platforms. And I got to come back and get with you, Roland, because you don't know how to behave well with company. First of all, I ain't going to behave if you come back. So just letting you know. <laughs> just letting you I'm know. y'all at Michelle Comedy. Thank you, Roland. All right, darling. Appreciate it. All Thank right, folks. Can. All right, we got lots of people who have given to our Bring the Funk fan club. Oh, my God, I have not read names uh, in two days. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to see if I can knock this out in three minutes, okay? So, if y'all want to support our Bring the Funk fan club, listen to me very clearly, y'all. We are 5,000 of you. First of all, we have more than 6,000. We have 7,000 people who are on YouTube today. 5,196 right now. We got people who are on Facebook. Look, y'all, don't be freeloading. Opportunity to support what we do. Black-owned show, independent news. Y'all ain't going to see nobody else put that sister on with a hand sanitizer or talking about Seek.com with black-owned headphones or having the mayor of Birmingham on, having Lieutenant General, Lieutenant General Russell Honore on. And, of course, you ain't, you ain't going to see three black men uh, talking about even some non-black stuff uh, on even MSNBC, CNN, and the rest of them. First of all, MSNBC can't even put Jason Johnson back on the air. He's been off the air for four months. Somebody tweet that. So support our Bring the Funk fan club. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks a year. That's it, folks. $4.19 a month or 13 cents a day. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Cash app, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. I'll pull the graphic up. Cash app, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is at symbol RM Unfiltered. You can also send us a cashier's check, money order, the New Vision Media, Inc. 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C. 20006. Make it out to New Vision Media. It's the parent company. All right, y'all, real quick. Dollar sign, ape the actor. Uh, then I got a phone number here. I don't know. I'm not going to give the number out because it might be your phone number. Uh, Abdullah Mulazam, a cough Inc., uh, Addy Zachary, uh, Adrian, Adi Boyega, Wadolu. Hope I got it right. Adrian Hurley, Alethea Gill, Alicia Douglas, Alan Gaithers, Amanda Watkins, Amir Warwick, Andre McCrary, Andrea Guidry, Angela Johnson, Angela Miller, Angela Peebles, Angela Reynolds, Angela Smith, Minya, and Ambrose, um, Anel Martin, Annette Nicole, Nichols Martin, Anthony Taylor, Anthony Morton, Antoine Tompkins, Antoine Smith, Armicia Cato, Artwin Banks, Aurelia Toyer, B-Day. Beth Poindexter, Beverly Powell, Beverly Watkins, Biafra, Now LLC, Black Hammer, Brandon Woodward, Woodard, Brandy Duncan, Brenda Sterling, Bridget Davis, uh, Bridie Timbers, Bridget Barrow, Brown Sugar, C.R. McGinnis, Cal Shev, Cameron Mitchell, Candace, Carl Matthews, Carlette uh, Strachan, Carol, Carol Collins, Carol Daniels, Carolyn Patterson, Cassandra Corley, Cassandra Cox, Cassandra Wright, Chandra Thomas, Sharissa Rivers, Charlize Rankins, Charlene Cooper, Charles Belton, Charles Givens, Charles Lee, Joseph Massey III, Cheryl Hughes, Cheryl Jackson, Chet Love, Jaquita Wallace, Chris Young, Christopher Kersey, Christopher White, 
Claudel Parker, Cleon, Cliff Bucknor, Constance Scott, Corey Brown, Corey Robinson, Courtney LaPrade, Crystal Williams, Crystal Lee, Crystal Robinson, Curtis Austin Sr., Cynthia. I'm going to stop right there, folks, okay, because I got to go ahead. I got to do ABC literally in about eight minutes. Folks, support what we do. We thank all of you who watch every single day. We're going to be back, bringing the funk, giving you the real news. Tomorrow is a national day of mourning for George Floyd. We have all the details right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Go to the ABC News digital platform. You can go to the YouTube channel, the Periscope channel, or go to abcnews.com. Catch me and Lindsey Davis talking about George Floyd and the protests. I got to go. Keep it real. Keep it black. Keep it unapologetic. Keep it unfiltered. Ha! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.